Talk Radio. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Should runaway ISIS brides be allowed home? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and your terrorist therapist. Today we're going to be talking about these runaway brides, ISIS brides, and home. You know, these are sort of the key um, words in this question. Uh, runaway brides. I don't mean brides who necessarily leave their man at the altar, although they may be leaving him in the Middle East. Um, mainly, I mean, these are brides who have run away from their homes in the U.S. And the word home, um, that is the question. Was America really their home? Were they American citizens to begin with? Well, we're going to be exploring this story uh, in general, this whole issue of ISIS brides, because that is becoming um, much more of a an immediate problem because of the fact that um, the U.S. is sort of pulling out of the Middle East, out of Syria, uh, depending upon how many, how many troops they're going to be uh, still leaving. Uh, certainly they are cutting down on the number of troops, and um, there are people, men and women, in some camps, the Kurdish forces uh, that the Kurdish forces have captured. And so this question of what to do with these captured people uh, is, is more imminent than ever. And so amongst these um, people in these camps are some uh, women and some children, uh, and some of them are American. And the one that we're going to be talking about today is named Hoda Ruthana, She's 24 years old, and I'm going to tell you her story, but also we're going to look at the bigger question, because the bigger question is, what should happen to these runaway brides? Um, they are begging to come home, again, home question mark, as you'll hear in this particular story, uh, and they are sorry, and they claim to have given up their allegiance to ISIS, and should we believe them, and what should we do with them? Um, and should we do something different with the women and children than we do with the men? Well, that's what we're going to explore. First, looking at the story of Hoda. And then, you know, looking, asking this question and looking at all the pros and cons of other women and children who are currently in Syria. And um, figure out what to do. Um, I have a suggestion that is probably controversial, but the whole thing is controversial. Whether you think they should be allowed home or shouldn't be allowed home, this is actually the question right now. All right, well, let me tell you about Hoda. Um, Hoda is a, uh, a woman who was born in New Jersey, and she then her family moved to Alabama. And she um, is currently begging to come home, and President Trump has told Secretary of State Pompeo not to let her back. And there are technical reasons for that. 
and there, notably that she is not uh, really American. I'll get to that. And then there are reasons, you know, for um, setting precedent for the other women who are currently in Syria. So um, this particular woman, and this is another question, should we make individual decisions based upon just how much these women did once they pledged allegiance to ISIS that was anti-American? In other words, if they just uh, ran away from home in America and um, were seduced by these sexy uh, terrorists in the Middle East, um, and I'll give you reasons for why this happens to teen, especially to teen women. Um, but so should we just think of them as having made a silly, childish, teenage-ish, teenager-ish mistake? Or um, should we realize for some of them that they really have shown themselves to have proven their allegiance in a more serious kind of way, like Hoda? Um, she told Americans to kill themselves when she went to um, Syria. Well, yes, when she went to Syria, she, um, she became one of the most uh, proficient Twitter, tw <laughs> Twitter users. She, her job was to put tweets out on Twitter and to anti-American tweets. I will get to that. Um, now, she's currently in northeast Syria in a refugee camp, and uh, after having been captured by the U.S. Kurdish forces. Now, there's a question, a, a lot of her story is murky. Uh, there's a question as to whether she had escaped from ISIS when she was captured or whether she was still in their territory. She has an 18-month-old son from an ISIS husband. Um, one of the big questions is whether she actually is a U.S. citizen or not. She was born in 1994 um, in Hackensack, New Jersey. And there is the question as to whether her father was a diplomat still or not. Uh, he had been a diplomat from Yemen and for the to the UN, and there is there are questions as to when he um, gave up his diplomat status, because um, if he was still a diplomat at the time that she was born, then technically she would not be a U.S. citizen, because um, even when children are born in the U.S., they are not automatically U.S. citizens if their fathers, if their parents. Are, um, are diplomats because they are uh, determined to be really under the rule of the country that the parents come from. So I'll get more into that. Um, but in any case, during the last four years that she was with ISIS, uh, she said that she suffered a lot of trauma. She was starved and um, she had to eat grass. Now that's the thing. If she wasn't starved, if the conditions were more comfortable, if she didn't have to eat grass, would she have left ISIS? Was she um, planning on leaving them or was she, uh, you know, captured before she made that absolute decision as to whether she wanted to really leave them or not? She left 
for ISIS in 2014 when she was 19 years old. She left her family in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, she actually went to Turkey. She took a plane to Turkey and then was smuggled into um, Syria. She, uh, her, her attorneys who are representing her parents who are still in the U.S., they are saying that she was brainwashed over the internet to think that she was doing this for God. Well, she wasn't, <laughs> I don't know that she, that was, that may well have been part of it, but that was not the whole thing. Um, she complained of her parents being too strict. They wouldn't let her go out with her friends. And so she turned to religion. This is what she's saying. And um, so she said, I thought whatever I read was right. But it wasn't just reading in books. It was either reading on the, certainly um, she was reading on the internet. She may have been reading in books as well, presumably. But it was over the internet that she was radicalized and convinced to come to the Middle East. Now, um, her, uh, her, amongst her tweets, uh, she wrote that Americans should become violent particularly on national holidays. She said, Americans wake up, men and women, go on driveways and spill all of their blood or rent a big truck and drive all over them. Veterans, patriots, memorial, um, etc. kill them. She showed a picture of four women burning passports from Western countries, including America. Now, she was doing this for four years. This is pretty, pretty violent, pretty um, hardcore stuff. Do we assume that she has changed her ways, changed her beliefs about that? Or is it that she just doesn't want to eat grass anymore? Well, when we come back, we'll hear more about Hoda, and we will begin to consider um, the whole issue of whether... Uh, all of these women, any of these women, should be allowed back into the United States. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. The question is what to do with them. So I'm telling you the story today about Hoda Muthana because she is the one who is um, making headlines now and um, is begging to come back to the U.S. And as I started to talk about, there are questions uh, about whether she actually is an American citizen in the first place. And with the quotes that I just read to you, things that she tweeted, that was her job when she was in Syria and what she was doing for ISIS. She was um, basically spreading violence, spreading, radicalizing people, trying to. Um, and telling Americans to kill other Americans. Now, she has said um, that her, she, she was asked, if you had a message to give to the U.S., what would you tell them? And she said, she would say, please forgive me for being so ignorant. And I was really young and ignorant, and I was 19 when I decided to leave. Well, that's all well and good, but she had four years of telling Americans to rise up and kill each other. Um, she, now this, there's, there's kind of a, another, there are so many different aspects to this that make it a little more complicated. 
And that is that um, at the same time as she is begging to come back to the U.S., President Trump um, has been telling other countries, European countries, to bring back their um, people who their people from their each country, you know, from France and England and Germany and so on, other European countries. Um, there are 800 ISIS fighters who have been captured. And what's going to happen to them? And of course, these are, we're talking about men primarily. Um, so I, President Trump has been telling other European countries to bring these ISIS fighters back and pr prosecute them. Uh, bring them to trial, put them in jail. I mean, you know, give them a trial, and if they deserve to be put in jail, put them in jail. Um, so it's a little, it makes it a little more thorny if he's telling all these other countries to take all these people back and prosecute them, or at least bring them to trial, uh, and then for him not to take the women. But there are differences. And, and the main reason why he was telling European countries to do this was because if, if they don't um, bring, you know, in a, in a very organized kind of way, if they don't bring the um, captured fighters back to their home countries, then these fighters are going to, they're going to be released. And you know what's going to happen. These fighters are going to make their own way back to Europe or, or perhaps, you know, back to back, well, not back, but perhaps to the U.S., but mainly they will go back to Europe, back to the countries that they came from. And what will they do when they get there? Undoubtedly, they will try to radicalize other people in their home countries. So, you know, what he's saying makes a lot of sense, that either these countries do this in a very careful, organized way and bring them to trial, um, or these, they're going to be sneaking back into the country um, and, and uh, are trying to, and um, trying to create mayhem. So let's go back to Hoda because she is the current face of the women who are in these camps in Syria um, and who are begging to come home. So now, um, when she, getting back to when she left uh, Alabama, left her family in Alabama, uh, when she was 19 or 20 years old, she told her parents that she was going to a university event because she was a student at that time. And she got on a plane and she uh, went to Turkey, as I said, and she was smuggled into Syria. And um, she, um, her father, as I was saying, was a Yemeni diplomat and um, and now this is one of the questions is how soon was he really at the time that she was born, October 28th, 1994, was he still a diplomat or not? Because the UN said that the father's, that he had gotten a letter from the UN that said the end of the father's service was September 1st, 1994. So one month before she was born. But there are competing, conflicting uh, reports of this, um, partly due to when he applied to be no longer a diplomat and when they actually granted it. Uh, so that is murky. <laughs> um, but that's one of the issues. That's, you know, one of the reasons that that would be a technical reason to deny her entry into the U.S., saying that she wasn't really a citizen to begin with. Um, 
she had gotten two passports when she was a child, when she was around nine years old, um, she got a passport. And at that, an American, a U.S. passport. And at that time, she was able to get it because her father got this letter from the U.N. Then she supposedly got another passport right before she left to join ISIS. And this was in 2014. Now, there are questions about that because how, at the time that she applied um, for her, her passport in 2014, they did question whether she was an American citizen. And again, her parents um, presented some kind of papers. Um, but now her father was, because her father was a diplomat, she really would, have, would be considered, if, if he was still when she was born, she would be considered a permanent resident, not a citizen. Uh, also, <laughs> there, is, um, there, are, there are circumstances to revoke citizenship, and there is a possibility that um, apparently her citizenship, her, her passport, was attempted to be revoked. So um, you can, uh, citizenship can be revoked if, for example, someone is convicted for an act of treason. But there's a question of um, whether you would, uh, whether taking an oath of allegiance to a terrorist group or committing a crime by providing material support to a terrorist group is enough. Um, as I said, there are at least 13 um, mostly women and children held in Kurdish detention camps in Syria. Um, the, the majority of American men were caught on the battlefield and they are being repatriated to face charges. There's no question what's happening to the men. The men are, are who have been caught, you know, the men who joined ISIS who, are, who have been caught on the battlefield are coming home, but they are going to be facing charges. So, uh, now the latest news about all this is that um, the, the father of this woman, this has just come about, uh, the father of this woman is, has just filed a lawsuit against Trump. The headline is, ISIS bride's father sues Trump over blocked return to the U.S. Her father's name is Ahmad Ali Muthana. And he, of course, is claiming that she's a U.S. citizen. And, um, you know, there's all, again, there's all this murky stuff about whether he was a diplomat or not at the time that she was born. And, um, and then um, the father is asking to, to be able to pay for her return. He's willing to pay to get her to come back. And he said that his daughter would be willing to face charges. Um, now, she was married three times when she was in, um, in, in Syria, in the Middle East. She married um, uh, a, an Australian, they were all ISIS fighters. There was an Australian, a Tunisian, and a Syrian. <laughs> She's an equal opportunity ISIS fighter bride. Um, and so, and, and, and at least... The first two were killed on the battlefield. It's unclear about what happened to the third one, who presumably is the father of her current child, her 18-month-old child. So, um, so, 
So she's, um, you know, so of course the question is, I mean, if she, would she, if she faced charges, um, it would be because she, uh, you know, the whole thing is if, if she isn't a citizen yet, if she really wasn't a citizen because of all this murky, questionable stuff, um, would she, would her citizenship, could her citizenship be revoked because of all the things that she did in the Middle East, basically telling Americans to kill each other, which is pretty serious. When we come back, we will talk now about the question in general, what should be done with these ISIS runaway brides? You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back. Uh, We have been talking today about should runaway ISIS brides be allowed home? And now you understand what I mean by the, you know, the key words there being runaway, uh, runaway from the U.S., from the parents, versus runaway from their husbands in uh, the Middle East, and home, are they really American citizens? That is, those are the key questions with the current uh, runaway bride, who is in a Kurdish camp in Syria, Hoda Uthana, who is begging to come home to the U.S., and there are all kinds of questions, such as whether indeed she actually is an American citizen. In fact, her parents, um, when she was away, uh, her parents got a letter saying that her passport was revoked. So even if it was uh, um, correctly given to her in the first place, like even if the questions of citizenship had been decided, they, um, the government tried to revoke it. And then the father sent them evidence again of his diplomatic spot, uh, his diplomatic status at her birth and or non-diplomatic status at her birth. And then the sh- they got no response. So, it, it, you know, these, this is another reason why it's so murky. But in any case, be that as it may, um, there, it, there's a bigger question here because it's not just about Hoda. There are... Um, American, uh, possibly some of those, their citizenship is questionable too, but there are American brides, uh, American women, who um, at, when they were relatively young, decided to leave the U.S. to go to join, mainly it's to join the men um, who radicalized them over the internet and to become an ISIS bride. Now, so these people, these, these women, are now in the Kurdish camps. Some of them have children, and um, they want to come home. They want to come back to the U.S. Now, um, for the men, as I mentioned earlier, they, there's no question they are going to be coming back to the U.S., but they are going to be facing charges, notably for having joined uh, ISIS. But what to do with the women? You know, of course, of course, there's a tendency. I mean, even in myself, I feel sympathetic. I mean, I, I hate to say that Hoda shouldn't come back. But on the other hand, um, there are reasons why she shouldn't come back, besides the citizenship issue. That's, to me, that's not as important. That's sort of a technical issue. But, um, you know, one reason why she shouldn't be allowed back 
is because it serves, she serves, her story serves as a warning to other women, other particularly teenage women who are the most susceptible to wanting to go to the Middle East to become an ISIS bride. Now, who are these teen or young adult women who um, get brainwashed or, you know, that's what's her word, brainwashed over the internet, radicalized over the internet? Um, they are women who uh, are are unhappy. <laughs> Let's start with that. They are not happy in the U.S., and it's not necessarily because they're in the U.S., but it more has to do with their um, situation in their family and their social situation. Sometimes, like Hoda, she complained about her parents being too strict and not letting her go out with her friends. She was a university student, and they were trying to, uh, they were being overprotective, as a lot of um, particularly Muslim parents are because protect, overprotective of women and uh, young women especially because of, you know, all the bad things that they're trying, the bad boys <laughs> who they're trying to protect them from. And um, they undoubtedly, you know, she said they wouldn't let her go out with her friends. Um, you know, that certainly would include boyfriends. And so here she is, 19 years old, not allowed to go out with her friends, have boyfriends, and she comes upon a sexy looking, uh, I know, I know some of you are, are cringing when I call these terrorists sexy looking, but some of them are, especially the younger ones who, uh, whose job it is to um, communicate with young women and convince them that they love them, that they want to marry them. And here to a, to a young woman who has no boyfriends is um, being kept locked up essentially um, by her parents. And here's a man, you know, professing his love and claiming that he wants to marry her and that everything is wonderful. If she only comes to the Middle East, um, life will be great and she will be loved and she'll have fun. And, you know, of course, then they get there and they realize it's not like that at all. But, you know, just because it's not comfortable, it's not the Hilton um, or the Four Seasons <laughs> or any of those fancy hotels, um, doesn't mean that they then immediately want to come home. Some do, you know, some find out soon enough that they are really basically being used to be a baby factory to make more ISIS soldiers. But some of them, like Hoda, stayed there for at least a good four years being a Twitter um, terrorist, putting things out on Twitter that would tell Americans to kill each other, and she was giving them instructions on how to do that. And so, you know, it wasn't exactly that she got there and she found that it was, that this man, well, she did have three marriages, so, uh, but I think they were because at least the first two men were killed on the battlefield. Um, but but she was she was a she really did pledge her allegiance to ISIS and she really did work for them and she really was anti-American. Now someone who does that for four years is not easily going to give up her her beliefs. Um, so how do you believe that when she come if she were allowed back that she would suddenly um, decide that, oh, I was wrong, you know, I shouldn't have told Americans to kill each other. 
uh, that's a long time to be believing that four years. And then, you know, yes, so she said that um, they were starving, she had to eat grass. There are some reports that she left ISIS in January. Um, and, you know, so that's not very long ago. Um, and, and we can't really just, just believe, feel sorry for her and believe that she should come home and she'll be fine and not have any of these anti-American sentiments or not want to radicalize people once she got here. Um, and also, what about would she, if her husband, the third one, is still alive, would she want to bring him here? And then uh, through chain migration, um, bring his family here. So um, now we could, of course, do the same thing for women that we do for men, and that is allow them to return, but put them on trial and put them in jail if they are convicted of terrorist crimes. Uh, but you know, as I've talked about in previous um, shows, that in jail, that is the hotbed of radicalization. So would, we, would it not be likely that she would radicalize other women in the jail? Um, also, what do you do with the children? She has an 18-month-old baby. Um, in her case, she does have two parents who seem like they would be very happy to take her child and take care of the child. But what about some of the other women? You know, what about if they don't have family to take care of their children? Is that the determining factor, whether their family will take care of their children or not? And if not, do the children go into foster care? Um, what about, you know, if we take them back um, and put them in, give them a trial and, and uh, put them in jail, presumably they will be found guilty of, of you know, of crimes assisting, aiding, uh, aiding ISIS, um, then we could keep a, like, uh, a registry of them. We could try to keep track of where they are, but we can't keep track 100% of who they're radicalizing. I mean, that's a lot of keeping track we have to do. And as it is, our um, services, you know, um, counterterrorism services are, are strange as it is. Now, my radical solution um, uh, or controversial solution is that we should create a separate camp, so to speak, you can call it whatever, um, not, not a jail, you know, not um, jail-like uh, comforts or lack of comforts, but a reasonably comfortable place, um, isolated from the rest of the world, um, and let them stay there. With their, they can bring their children if they have children, and let them stay there for one to three years or more, after depending upon what um, their allegiance has been, how strong their allegiance has been determined to be, and then um, have a and de-radicalize them. Put therapists in the camp. Have the therapists uh, come see the women in the camp. And not just to see how radicalized they are and whether they still believe these things, but also to get into their early life, because that is the key. And this is why most de-radicalization programs fail, because they don't get into why the person left or why the person became radicalized in the first place. And often it has to do with the fact that they were abused by their family 
or by some other person physically, sexually abused. Um, and it, the key is to find out why they hate America, why they hated America so much in the first place to decide to allow themselves to be radicalized. And, um, and do they have social uh, problems? You know, do they have low self-esteem? Is that, you know, do they feel that they'd never get a boyfriend? No man would ever love them. Um, what were their original, original problems? What was going on in their mind and in their life before they left for the Middle East? Besides therapists, there can also be a school or a tutor, depending upon how many, how many women and children there are. Um, and that would, I mean, I know that this will probably bristle some people because they'll think that, you know, there used to be internment camps that, that that's a dirty word. But, um, but I think allowing these women to come back and just uh, mix with, return to their home, mix with the regular general population in society uh, is, a, is a mistake. And I think in the case of Hoda, um, she would be uh, one of the more severe cases of women who proved their loyalty to ISIS. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.